Chapter Fourteen of the Trespasser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Trespasser by D. H. Lawrence. Chapter Fourteen. In the garden of tall rose trees and nasturtiums, Helena was again waiting. It was past nine o'clock, so she was growing impatient. To herself, however, she professed a great interest in a little book of verses she had bought in St. Martin's Lane for twopence. A late harsh blackbird smote him with her wings, as through the glade, dim in the dark, she flew. So she read. She made a curious, pleased sound, and remarked to herself that she thought these verses very fine. But she watched the road for Siegmund. And now she takes the scissors on her thumb. Oh, then, no more unto my lattice come. Hmm, she said, I really don't know whether I like that or not. Therefore she read the piece again, before she looked down the road. He really is very late. It is absurd to think he may have got drowned. But if he were washing about at the bottom of the sea, his hair loose on the water, her heart stood still as she imagined this. But what nonsense! I like these verses very much. I will read them as I walk along the side-path, where I shall hear the bees and catch the flutter of a butterfly among the words. That will be a very fitting way to read this poet." So she strolled to the gate, glancing up now and again. There, sure enough, was Siegmund coming, the towel hanging over his shoulder, his throat bare and his face bright she stood in the mottled shade i have kept you waiting said siegmund well i was reading you see she would not admit her impatience i have been talking he said talking she exclaimed in slight displeasure have you found an acquaintance even here a fellow who was quite close friends in savoy days he made me feel queer, sort of doppelganger he was. Helena glanced up swiftly and curiously. In what way? she said. He talked all the skeletons in the cupboard. Such piffle it seems now. The sea is like a harebell, and there are two battleships lying in the bay. You can hear the voices of the men on deck distinctly. Well, have you made the plans for today? They went into the house to breakfast. She watched him helping himself to the scarlet and green salad. Mrs. Curtis, she said, in a rather reedy tone, has been very motherly to me this morning. Oh, very motherly. Siegmund, who was in a warm, gay mood, shrank up. "'What, has she been saying something about last night?' he asked. "'She was very much concerned for me,' 
was afraid something dreadful had happened continued helena in the same keen sarcastic tone which showed she was trying to rid herself of her own mortification because we weren't in till about eleven said siegmund also with sarcasm i mustn't do it again oh no i mustn't do it again really for fear of alarming the old lady he asked you know dear it troubles me a good deal but if i were your mother i don't know how i should feel she quoted when one engages rooms one doesn't usually stipulate for a stepmother to nourish one's conscience said siegmund they laughed making jest of the affair but they were both too thin-skinned siegmund writhed within himself with mortification while helena talked as if her teeth were on edge i don't mind in the least she said the poor old woman has her opinions and i mine siegmund brooded a little i know i'm a moral coward he said bitterly nonsense she replied then with a little heat but you do continue to try so hard to justify yourself as if you felt you needed justification he laughed bitterly i tell you a thing like this it remains tied tight round something inside me reminding me for hours well what everybody else's opinion of me is helena laughed rather plaintively i thought you were so sure we were right she said he winced again in myself i am but in the eyes of the world if you feel so in yourself is that not enough she said brutally he hung his head and slowly turned his serviette ring what is myself he asked nothing very definite she said with a bitter laugh they were silent after a while she rose went lovingly over to him and put her arms round his neck this is our last clear day dear she said a wave of love came over him sweeping away all the rest he took her in his arms it will be hot today said helena as they prepared to go out i felt the sun steaming in my hair as i came up he replied i shall wear a hat you had better do so too no he said i told you i wanted a sun soaking now i think i shall get one she did not urge nor compel him in these matters he was old enough to choose for himself this morning they were rather silent each felt the tarnish on their remaining day i think dear she said we ought to find the little path that escaped us last night we were lucky to miss it he answered you don't get a walk like that twice in a lifetime in spite of the old ladies she glanced up at him with a winsome smile glad to hear his words they set off siegmund bareheaded 
he was dressed in flannels and a loose canvas shirt but he looked what he was a londoner on holiday he had the appearance the diffident bearing and the well-cut clothes of a gentleman he had a slight stoop a strong-shouldered stoop and as he walked he looked unseeing in front of him helena belonged to the unclassed she was not ladylike nor smart nor assertive one could not tell whether she were of independent means or a worker one thing was obvious about her she was evidently educated rather short of strong figure she was much more noticeably a concentrée than was siegmund unless definitely looking at something she always seemed coiled within herself she wore a white voile dress made with the waist just below her breasts and the skirt dropping straight and clinging on her head was a large simple hat of burnt straw through the open-worked sleeves of her dress she could feel the sun bite vigorously i wish you had put on a hat siegmund she said why he laughed my hair is like a hood he ruffled it back with his hand the sunlight glistened on his forehead on the higher paths a fresh breeze was energetically chasing the butterflies and driving the few small clouds disconsolate out of the sky the lovers stood for some time watching the people of the farm in the down below dip their sheep on this sunny morning there was a ragged noise of bleating from the flock penned in a corner of the yard two red-armed men seized a sheep hauled it to a large bath that stood in the middle of the yard and there held it more or less in the bath while a third man baled a dirty yellow liquid over its body the white legs of the sheep twinkled as it butted this way and that to escape the yellow douche the blue-shirted men ducked and struggled there was a faint splashing and shouting to be heard even from a distance the farmer's wife and children stood by ready to rush in with assistance if necessary helena laughed with pleasure that really is a very quaint and primitive proceeding she said it is cruder than theocritus in an instant it makes me wish i were a farmer he laughed i think every man has a passion for farming at the bottom of his blood it would be fine to be plain-minded to see no farther than the end of one's nose and to own cattle and land would it asked helena sceptically if i had a red face and went to sleep as soon as i sat comfortable i should love it he said it amuses me to hear you long to be stupid she replied to have a simple slow-moving mind and an active life is the desideratum is it she asked ironically i would give anything to be like that he said 
that is not to be yourself she said pointedly he laughed without much heartiness don't they seem a long way off he said staring at the bucolic scene they are farther than theocritus down there is farther than sicily and more than twenty centuries from us i wish it weren't why do you she cried with curious impatience he laughed crossing the down scattered with dark bushes they came directly opposite the path through the firs there it is she cried how could we miss it ascribe it to the fairies he replied whistling the bird music out of siegfried then pieces of tristan they talked very little she was tired when they arrived at a green naked hollow near the cliff's edge she said this shall be our house to-day welcome home said siegmund he flung himself down on the high breezy slope of the dip looking out to sea helena sat beside him it was absolutely still and the wind was slackening more and more though they listened attentively they could hear only an indistinct breathing sound quite small from the water below no clapping nor hoarse conversation of waves siegmund lay with his hands beneath his head looking over the sparkling sea to put her page in the shadow helena propped her book against him and began to read presently the breeze and siegmund dropped asleep the sun was pouring with dreadful persistence it beat and beat on helena gradually drawing her from her book in a confusion of thought she closed her eyes wearily longing for shade vaguely she felt a sympathy with adam in adam cast forth her mind traced again the tumultuous obscure strugglings of the two forth from eden through the primitive wildernesses and she felt sorrowful thinking of adam blackened with struggle she looked down at siegmund the sun was beating him upon the face and upon his glistening brow his two hands which lay out on the grass were full of blood the veins of his wrists purple and swollen with heat yet he slept on breathing with a slight panting motion helena felt deeply moved she wanted to kiss him as he lay helpless abandoned to the charge of the earth and the sky she wanted to kiss him and shed a few tears she did neither but instead moved her position so that she shaded his head cautiously putting her hand on his hair she found it warm quite hot as when you put your hand under a sitting hen and feel the hot feathered bosom it will make him ill she whispered to herself and she bent over to smell the hot hair 
she noticed where the sun was scalding his forehead she felt very pitiful and helpless when she saw his brow becoming inflamed with the sun scalding turning weariedly away she sought relief in the landscape but the sea was glittering unbearably like a scaled dragon wreathing the houses of freshwater slept as cattle sleep motionless in the hollow valley green farringford on the slope was drawn over with a shadow of heat and sleep in the bay below the hill the sea was hot and restless helena was sick with sunshine and the restless glitter of water and there shall be no more sea she quoted to herself she knew not where from no more sea no more anything she thought dazedly as she sat in the midst of this fierce welter of sunshine it seemed to her as if all the lightness of her fancy and her hope were being burned away in this tremendous furnace leaving her helena like a heavy piece of slag seamed with metal she tried to imagine herself resuming the old activities the old manner of living it is impossible she said it is impossible what shall i be when i come out of this i shall not come out except as metal to be cast in another shape no more the same siegmund no more the same life what will become of us what will happen she was roused from these semi-delirious speculations in the sun furnace by siegmund's waking he opened his eyes took a deep breath and looked smiling at helena it is worth while to sleep said he for the sake of waking like this i was dreaming of huge ice crystals she smiled at him he seemed unconscious of fate happy and strong she smiled upon him almost in condescension i should like to realize your dream she said this is terrible they went to the cliff's edge to receive the cool upflow of air from the water she drank the travelling freshness eagerly with her face and put forward her sunburnt arms to be refreshed it is really a very fine sun said siegmund lightly i feel as if i were almost satisfied with heat helena felt the chagrin of one whose wretchedness must go unperceived while she affects a light interest in another's pleasure this time when siegmund failed to follow her as she put it she felt she must follow him you are having your satisfaction complete this journey she said smiling even a sufficiency of me ay said siegmund drowsily i think i am 
i think this is about perfect don't you she laughed i want nothing more and nothing different he continued and that's the extreme of a decent time i should think the extreme of a decent time she repeated but he drawled on lazily i've only rubbed my bread on the cheese-board until now now i've got all the cheese which is you my dear i certainly feel eaten up she laughed rather bitterly she saw him lying in a royal ease his eyes naive as a boy's his whole being careless although very glad to see him thus happy for herself she felt very lonely being listless with sun weariness and heavy with a sense of impending fate she felt a great yearning for his sympathy his fellow suffering instead of receiving this she had to play to his buoyant happiness so as not to shrivel one petal of his flower or spoil one minute of his consummate hour from the high point of the cliff where they stood they could see the path winding down to the beach and broadening upwards towards them slowly approaching up the slight incline came a black invalid's chair wheeling silently over the short dry grass the invalid a young man was so much deformed that already his soul seemed to be wilting in his pale sharp face as if there were not enough life-flow in the distorted body to develop the fair bud of the spirit he turned his pain-sunken eyes towards the sea whose meaning like that of all things was half obscure to him siegmund glanced and glanced quickly away before he should see helena looked intently for two seconds she thought of the torn shrivelled seaweed flung across the reach of the tide the life tide she said to herself the pain of the invalid overshadowed her own distress she was fretted to her soul come she said quietly to siegmund no longer resenting the completeness of his happiness which left her unnecessary to him we will leave the poor invalid in possession of our green hollow so quiet she said to herself they sauntered downwards towards the bay helena was brooding on her own state after her own fashion the mist spirit she said to herself the mist spirit draws a curtain round us it is very kind a heavy gold curtain sometimes a thin torn curtain sometimes i want the mist spirit to close the curtain again i do not want to think of the outside i am afraid of the outside and i am afraid when the curtain tears open in rags 
i want to be in our own fine world inside the heavy gold mist curtain as if in answer or in protest to her thoughts siegmund said do you want anything better than this dear shall we come here again next year and stay for a whole month if there be any next year said she siegmund did not reply she wondered if he had really spoken in sincerity or if he too were mocking fate they walked slowly through the broiling sun towards their lodging there will be an end to this said helena communing with herself and when we come out of the mist curtain what will it be no matter let come what will all along fate has been resolving from the very beginning resolving obvious discords gradually by unfamiliar progression and out of original combinations weaving wondrous harmonies with our lives really the working out has been wondrous is wondrous now the master fate is too great an artist to suffer an anti-climax i am sure the master musician is too great an artist to allow a pathetic anti-climax end of chapter 14 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey